Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Oh, this will be good. This is the scrapyard. Welcome to another Scrapyard. I'm Seamus Byrne, and this week we are focusing on all the latest in the wonderful world of Overwatch, catching up again with Genome, the great shoutcaster who does a lot of coverage for the local contender scene and is just a big giant Overwatch nerd in general. So, Genome, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me, Seamus. I am a giant nerd, it's true, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> and yes, we were having our secret uh, spoiler discussions about Avengers before <laughs> we went on the air so that we don't ruin anything for anybody else. So that's the kind of nice nerds that we are. Um, look, I think it has been a while since I've sort of done any catch-ups on all things Overwatch, but given that we're now at the end of the first season for 2019 of Contenders... Um, where you know we've had a sort of a full stage of Overwatch League Season 2. There's kind of lots of cool things to catch up on. Um, but I thought the first place to start would be to just talk kind of big picture, what your feelings are about you know, the state of the Overwatch meta. Has Baptiste been shaking anything up? There's been a few other sort of uh, patch changes to try to um, get things out of the, the uh, goat funk, I guess, if that's the way we want to just randomly use that <laughs> word. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on, uh, you know, where the game has been over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, the goat funk, that's an interesting way to describe it. Um, that's certainly where we've been and possibly where we might be for a little bit longer. Uh, as you said, there's <laughs> been a lot of changes, right? There's been a couple of patches where, like, they've hit, I don't know, like, 15, even 20 heroes at once with all these different changes just trying to like really shake things up. Um, but what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in stage two of the Overwatch League where people kind of had their fingers crossed, uh, hoping that we might be able to see something different, we're still seeing, I think it's something like 80% and upwards goat compositions. Um, we're getting a little bit more variance in there now. So like, I mean, we always saw a little bit of Winston instead of Reinhardt depending on where the map was. We're seeing Anna introduced a little bit more instead of Zenyatta in some places. Um, but yeah, there's like, honestly, everything else is still at the moment a fringe case. It's like, do you want to experiment a little bit? Do you want to try and, and, and come out and see if you can be the one to crack the formula and beat goats, but you've got your backs up against the wall trying to do that still? Yeah. And like, can you, in the just really basic sense, uh, for people who don't really know kind of what the goat thing is all about, like, yep. what what was it that sort of, you know, cracked that code on what is, I, like, I, it's essentially, is it like three tanks, three support? That's sort of an idea. Yeah. So the very base composition, like the most common version of this that you will see, because there are, you know, little, you can change things in here and there, here and there. Um, is you're starting off with your your Reinhardt, your Diva, and your Zaya. That's the, the three tanks you're running. And then you've got Zenyatta, Lucio, uh, and Brigida as your three healers. So there are no DPS people in there at all, which, um, you know, has frustrated viewers and, and certainly me at times because you don't have as many opportunities to pop off, you know? Like, you don't have those, yeah. like, really big surprising moments unless it's something like a Graviton Surge plus... Um, a diva self-destruct but like that kind of gets a bit old after a while when that's the only kind of like big combo you're seeing so 
Yeah, so in this kind of composition, you're relying a lot on your Zaya to do a lot of the damage, just because it's very easy to charge up um, when you're in a sort of tight death ball like you are in this. Um, yeah, right. Your Lucia's kind of just playing at the back, trying to make sure that if anything happens, if your team gets shattered, if you get um, a Graviton Surge, Self-Destruct comes in, something like that. He's always in a good place, like hopping on a wall so he doesn't get shattered and he can put down... Um, a sound barrier to try and keep you alive uh, and then your Reinhardt is just trying to you know make sure the other one doesn't slip an earth shatter past you something like that and there's yeah there's a it's a very like if you're looking at it from a very high level um, it's actually a really enjoyable composition there's a lot of like uh, nitty-gritty things about it that make it um, enjoyable to play if you're at a pro level but like for probably the majority of viewers watching um, I can understand it, it kind of gets a bit boring after the uh, after a while to see the same thing over and over again, right? <laughs> and, I, and I do kind of wonder whether at this point, like, the coaches and everyone else is like, oh, I really love goats, like they're having a bit of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Now, like, was did this all kind of really was set in motion when, like, Brigida came along and it, it was that, uh, you know, healer, uh, like, tanky frontline healer, sort of situation that it suddenly just meant that this particular format like really clicked into place yeah it, brigida was definitely the catalyst for it um it wasn't necessarily brigida's like tankiness it was actually the shield bash um i yeah, think right. that was really the key component there because before this um dive was still probably i'd say the the pr- most prominent um composition the yeah. most prominent strategy to run in overwatch and once you put the shield bash in there and at that point, um, Shieldbash still did 50 damage. I think it's down to like 5 now, if I remember correctly. Um, and you could one-hit combo traces, right? So, yeah, right. So it just created this massive zone around your Brigida and around your team where the traces couldn't be effective because you were just vulnerable to getting one shot and just taken out completely. So mm. once you did that, it just made it, it meant that that composition got a lot weaker, and then goats really came into its own. And then since then, there's been this other problem, I suppose, where um, teams have been playing it for so long and been playing this like almost exclusively in some cases. Um, you know, unless you're a real guys who just like trying fun stuff like blank esports in Australian contenders or like Chengdu in, in the Overwatch League where they, you know, at least try and put yeah. on a show for the viewers. Yeah. <laughs> they have been fun to watch. <laughs> um, but if you haven't been them, you've just been trying this one composition for so long that you're so good at it now that any other composition, which like, you know, maybe given equal an equal amount of practice time might be just as good. Um, but it's not on equal footing. The goats, everyone's just refined it to such a level that it's very hard to get any other kind of composition to that point where the teamwork is good enough to compete mm. against goats now. Yeah, yeah, that's um, like it's a good point. I mean, I feel like I've seen a few. Um, like I've just been dipping in and out on Overwatch League season two, um, just because I haven't been at in front of screens at the right times to catch as much of it as I did last year. But uh, I have been seeing like just in recent weeks the odd. You got time where a Widowmaker or somebody sort of turns up. So, like, it seems like now and then people are sort of... Or, again, is that sort of the map dependency sometimes where when they know that, the you know, that the uh, the, the funnel or, you know, the bottleneck is going to be just right to, to bring out some of those options? Yeah, it it is map dependent to some point. Like, so, for instance, on, you know, Junkertown, um, you still might see a double sniper come out or, like, a sniper in a bastion or something like that. Mm. Um and I think that's honestly where ideally, for me at least, like Overwatch is at, where 
maps determine more than anything else like what your what kind of compositions you're playing because that at least sort of like forces diversity in in some ways because all characters are always going to be better than other characters in in something right like if you're in a tight narrow choke like reinhardt is always going to be better than winston he needs a bit of space to work with so if you're in a position where like all of the heroes are sort of performing their roles correctly um you are going to see that like sort of map dependent compositions but if you've got to a situation like we have now where it's like well some heroes are probably just a bit too good at everything then you see that composition just replicated on on all these maps yeah yeah no that's a really good point because i think the um uh i mean in the end you sort of wonder is it in part the refinement of as you say sort of of you know, teams perfecting elite level play in a way that you know when it comes to um you know average Friday night friends hanging out and having a game it's like you're not going to replicate their <laughs> perfect death ball you know you no. <laughs> you just pick pick your characters and have some fun you're playing a, a quite a different game to what those people are playing oh, yeah. completely i mean i don't know how much our ladder you've played on overwatch Sheamus, but you know when people sit there and they're like oh let's just go goats on you know when you're just playing your regular matchmaking game like it'll be an easy win it's like mate what you are doing is just like nothing even close <laughs> Uh, and, and honestly, you can just run anything on anywhere up until probably like, you know, Grandmaster or Top 500 in, yeah. in the ladder and you'll have just as good a chance. It's, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, look, I might just, uh, you know, I, we've got some notes down, but I might just actually jump to Overwatch League first and then we'll dive into the nitty gritty of, of how Contenders is looking. But I think, um, you know, we've had a whole bunch of new teams turn up this year uh, and from what sort of I've felt like, uh, yeah, what I've seen, it, it's felt like a pretty sort of like a really positive um, mix up of things. There's been trades between teams, you know, whole new teams have turned up uh, and, but you know, no one's getting, it's, we have, we don't have quite the Shanghai dragon scenario from last year. Yeah. They've won a bunch oh, of games themselves. Um, and yeah, it just seems like now and then, you know, different teams are having their day at, you know, there's a couple of teams that are, you know, still sort of sitting out in front, but um, th- it's been a good shakeup of, you know, the status quo. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the Titans came in and, and won the first stage, being a team that is fresh to Overwatch League, uh, pretty much says that all by itself, doesn't it? I mean, uh, it's you just can't give enough praise to the, the Korean infrastructure and the way they build up their teams, the fact that they just came straight in from Korean contenders and, and took out the first stage is incredible. It, it really is. And there were so many people who were kind of, you know, throwing shade at some of the lower ranked teams last year and being like, oh, the Korean contenders can teams could, you know, could beat these guys. And everyone was like, no, 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 this is Overwatch League. It's totally different. And it's like, well, <laughs> now you got your proof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing a note uh, somewhere where somebody basically, yeah, retweeted themselves from last year basically saying i still think runaway is the best team in the world uh and, <laughs> and so and yeah that being the team that became vancouver titans uh clearly uh yeah that person uh, felt pretty vindicated when, <laughs> when, when it came to the end of stage one yeah yeah they definitely would it was um <laughs> i mean i think we're still we've got a lot left to see this year because i think 
eventually we will break out of the goats meta and it feels like you know as i said we haven't quite done that yet even in stage two with the introduction of baptiste and and all of those other changes um but once we get out of that it's going to be a very different scenario because we're seeing such a like a so few characters being played um you know someone being an exceptional zaya or something just makes such a difference versus oh they have to play like four different heroes every series um yeah. you know well are we gonna get rid of diva anytime soon that's the that's the real question but mm. but yeah i think you know in general as well just watching it it's felt like um you know as you said as well that you know a team like chengdu i'm i just loving that that some of them are kind of coming in and going okay well we're just gonna have some fun sometimes you know and, and bring in some interesting mixes um, you know, Atlanta Rain there for a while when they had sort of what it seemed like he was just a meme master. Um, you know, to friends sort of just yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, running in with Torbs and and playing it well. <laughs> You're like, um, at least we're getting those little highlights along the way. As much as that, the core of of you know the play is still sort of focused around a, a couple of particular strategies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean I'm loving was some a, of the a special case, wasn't? He? Yeah, but like, I'm yeah, even just loving some of the new teams uh, with their like social media profiles and stuff that they're kind of really giving their teams personality, um, which yeah, which I think is a lot of fun. And actually, I think yeah, this weekend we're going to see the first um, home game down at, at Dallas Fuel. Um, so I guess that's going to be interesting too to see sort of some of that side of you know what happens when. Yeah, when some games start getting played in in home territories, um, so it'll be fun to sort of look at uh, you know what what that looks like to see some of the matches played outside of the studio in in Los Angeles. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the production quality is is like. I mean, considering mm-hmm. how they've done at all of the World Cup stages over the last couple of years, um, I expect it to still be extremely high, just because it seems like you know Blizzard are pretty good at turning up and. And making sure everything is uh, is ship shape, um, mm. but yeah, I mean, especially going forward to next year, where it's going to be you know more even I think wait, fully home and away teams next year. Yeah, um, you know how how are they going to deal with that? Are they literally just going to like fly the Overwatch League crew or, or, or talent around to everything, or are they going to have you know an NA based team and an EU based team and, a, and an Asian based team? I don't know. It's it's going to be. Really interesting to see how they deal with that because I know a lot of the Overwatch League talent, you know, some of them were coming from like you know CS backgrounds, like Semler, for instance, where he was like flying all over the world all the time. It's it's a tough life in some mm-hmm. ways uh, in that respect. So um, I know a lot of them really enjoyed the fact that they got to actually make a bit of a home base um, with Overwatch League, staying in in the one place. So if that gets uh, shaken up, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> will they stay with it? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I, I definitely, from the things that I've heard, that, you know, things will be happening in different time zones. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's like it's not... It, it still doesn't necessarily work to, to kind of say, oh, well, they can just remotely broadcast, uh, you know, a, a match that's happening in China at 2 o'clock in the morning their time. <laughs> you know, it's like that that oh, would man. kind of create its own set of weirdness so yeah we'll um, go and talk to yeah. zp or jameson about that the, you know the contenders <laughs> casters that have had to try and deal with those kind of time zones actually i think even hex before um he got put on the overwatch league team 
Um, so yeah, contenders. Let's kind of jump into a bit of that. The local scene. Um, we've kind of ended up with, from what I see on the uh, um, on the score sheets, it's like we have quite the uh, uh, the the beautiful grouping of, of teams at the top of the table that are that are now going to fight it out next weekend at Intel Extreme Masters. Yeah, and it's going to be an exciting stage, right? Like the fact that we've got both of our finals this year, because obviously we're down to two seasons from three in 2018 um the fact that we've got both of those finals on an arena stage in front of like yeah. thousands of people is just sick and like it's there's so many good things about it right like it's just it's exciting it's a great opportunity for all of the players it gives them um sort of something to talk themselves up about if they're, they're trying to get overseas and trying to get those slots for you know get into na contenders or overwatch league um that's something they can definitely put on their resume and it's just yeah, it's just gonna be a whole bunch of fun yeah, and um, so like Drop Bears has not been quite as dominant as they were last season. It seems like a couple of the other teams have, have shown up a little bit more as well. Yeah, I mean, Drop Bears are funny, right? Because you, you kind of, I feel like a lot of people talk about them as if they're the same team like they have been yeah. since the, the game <laughs> right. started, right? But it's a good since point. Contender started, but they're not at all. I mean, like most of them went to order, or, like some of them yeah. went to order um after what was it the first or the second season can't remember when the trade happened anyway um and since then like they've just been getting gutted like every every season like someone's getting traded overseas which of course is fantastic for uh, yeah. <laughs> the management and it's good for the players who are going over um and that's just kind of how contenders australia is set up at the moment is that kind of like feeding that kind of feeding league that yeah. farming ground um but yeah, anyway, back to their form at the moment. Look, they're still looking really, really good. Um, but they're not the like out and out dominant team. And as you said, if you look at the scoreboard, they're at six and one. Orders at six and one. Blanks at six and one. Um, they all managed to drop a map to each other. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think going into the final, like I don't think there is a clear favorite. My my suspicion is that um, Order and, and Sydney Drop Bears are a cut above blank who have done well in refining their goats this season because last season they were just like, no, we're going to be the contrarians and, and really try and, and fight that completely. Now they've sort of, you know, realized that, no, you can't, like, it's good to be able to, you know, be Give the specialist. your hate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the dark side, the dark side goats. Um, and play those counter compositions. And they make those their own. But then they also know when and how to switch to goats when they need to. But I think the fact that it's still such a dominant composition means that when it really comes down to it, Order and Sydney Droppers are probably going to have um, the advantage on on them in that in that way. Yeah, um, and yeah, I guess there's there's going to be that like little bit of uh, stage factor. I guess you know that that because it's going to be a stage final, it will be um, yeah those extra nerves of seeing a bunch of people sitting in front of you and, and watching you play definitely can feed into that yeah yeah for sure um I, like they've all got some pretty experienced players though so oh that's good yeah um i mean order are, are kind of the our resident chokers at the moment i mean i've heard stories about uh about people throwing up multiple times um oh. before that before they went on stage at at the Melbourne Esports Open yeah. last year, which is, uh, I mean, you know, look, I mean, some of these guys are pretty young, right? That's a, it's a pretty big stage to be on. Some people will enjoy it, and some people will just be 
and scared out of their minds. So if they can work through that, uh, I think Order have, have got a really good chance. Uh, but, you know, like Blank have got have now got Damon on their side. So I don't know if you've seen him. He's, um, well, they've got Modern and Damon. So two Korean dudes, Damon previously of the Shanghai Dragons, right? So this guy's had stage oh, experience. Yeah. He's literally been in LA on the biggest stage in, well, like, yeah. maybe not the biggest. He wasn't at the Staples Center, but um, in one of the biggest stages in, in Overwatch history. So I don't think he should have any worries uh, when it comes to stage yeah. fright. Yeah, no, that, yeah, um, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so then, this final, there's a new structure, as you said. There's two seasons instead of three seasons this yep. year, and so this is then feeding into. Is it just the single top team, or is it t- top two teams that then go into what will be the Pacific Showdown in later in May? Uh, so it's only our top team that gets right. over there, which is cool, right? Because it's like, yeah, yeah. you know, you can't just like make it into the final and then just kind of like sit back. Like, nope, you are going yeah, to be fighting it really, it all really counts. the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, like there's a bit of money on the line as well. It's, uh, let me see, I think it's like an extra $10,000. Yeah, first prize for playoffs is $20,000 versus $6,600 per second. So that's quite a bit yeah. of money um, you're losing out if you don't take down that final. But of course, yeah, honestly, I think the most important thing is that Pacific showdown. So that's going to be hype. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so glad, like the, the community has been calling out for this forever, right? Saying we need a stage to put all of these contenders players against each other. Um, I mean, Blizzard just won't let, third-party tournaments do it. I'm sure there's, you know, like DreamHacks or... or um, oh. uh, What are they called? The I... I'm blanking. What does it stand for? It's not oh, yeah. I Buy Power, those guys? Or no, like... the the UK land. It's like, oh, like I-42. Face it, I-42. Insomnia, that's it. Insomnia. Oh, yeah. The Insomnia land. You know, something like that where it's like, you know, it's not like the, the giantest thing in the world, yeah. but... Uh, it's pretty big. So and many, sh- be, yeah, they'd love to host something. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, I mean, and Insomnia honestly has the has the background of holding the Team Fortress Two Championships, um, which would be in a similar kind of vein, where it was you know more of a community type feel, um, not so quite quite so professional. And a lot of a lot of players that have been successful in, in Overwatch have kind of come from that background. So um, you know something like that. I think we've been really hoping for for a long time, and it's just fantastic. I think that Blizzard have have finally listened and put this on because it just it's going to shine a much bigger spotlight on um, these guys and and give them that chance to get into Overwatch League. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, particularly you know, I mean, right? Like last year, people had that smaller chance, well, that one chance to kind of show off at BlizzCon if they're in a World Cup team, um, but this is much more of that direct kind of, you know, um, more like, you know, FA Cup or Champions League type vibes where it's like, yep, your team, you know, you and your teammates who play together all the time get a chance to show off what you can do rather than that sort of slightly awkward World Cup type environment, which is still completely awesome. But yeah, it's just that is a mode where you've only had a few weeks to kind of play with some people you don't normally play with. So it's hard to play at your best. Yeah, it's it is a very different vibe. You're as you say, like the fact that you're in this team that you would have played with for you know six months a year, however long it is, and really refined your team play, um, creates a very different environment. And that's the kind of that's really what players should be trading on when they're looking 
to yeah. to put up their resume um, to go to the top level. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, hopefully, so I think one of the... So the Pacific Showdown is in Shanghai um, in end of May. Yeah, so 24, 26 of May. Um, and then, and what's that? Top, top one Australia, top one Pacific, and then top two from China and Korea. Yeah, and so there's a little playoff. And then it seems like there's the Atlantic Showdown. And then I think both of those kind of the top teams from the two of those then come together in another kind of final event. I'm like, I'm trying to kind of catch up in my brain as to exactly how, the, how that sort of all feeds through into, you know, then I guess having the, the sort of a final world showdown of some kind, but yeah, it's the great gauntlet. to kind of create that. Yeah. The gauntlet. That's right. That's what they're calling it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, great to kind of create that opportunity for these teams to really try to show off. Yeah. That's, it's just exciting, but it also means They've got. They had to find that money somewhere, didn't they, Gino? <laughs> yeah. So it seems like basically they've kind of uh, ripped that out of the Overwatch World Cup. Um, and previously, where we've had the sort of four stop-offs, or, or is it? No, actually, it's usually been kind of like three stop-offs and then a final stop-off in the US before uh, BlizzCon. So, but honestly, like I, that's like definitely a change I'm willing to have. And I, I feel like we've honestly kind of got the best of both worlds here, where Rather than having, you know, spending all this money on, on getting people around the world um, to play what are essentially, uh, what's the word, um, are essentially like show matches, right, between yeah. the countries, um, we're getting real legitimate competition between these top Overwatch contenders teams. So if you haven't heard already, um, the World Cup has just been announced, which, like, honestly, I there was a lot of talk about it not being around at all, actually, so... <laughs> I think the fact that they've brought it back is good because it, it does cater a little bit more to like the casual community and like, you know, people just love supporting yeah. their country, right? Like it's exactly, it, it does get a lot of people involved who I don't think would otherwise because they look at Overwatch contenders and sometimes even Overwatch League and then they're like, ah, oh, you know, who are these teams? Oh, I don't really care. Um, but they think back to, you know, when they started playing Overwatch and, you know, when the, the World Cup was around, it's just, it's so easy to get behind your country, especially yeah. if, you know, you don't have a team in the Overwatch League like Australia at the moment. Um, and gives you something to support. So, yeah. So basically, Overwatch World Cup is just happening entirely at BlizzCon this year, and it's uh, yeah. The format's changed quite a bit. Yeah, and so um, like it looks like they're setting up the idea that like pretty much like as far as the reading that I have on it so far, it, it almost seems to suggest. If your country can get a team together, you can come and play in the qualifying tournament in the week before BlizzCon. Is am I? I'm probably slightly. You know, there's probably a, a couple of elements there. On you have to prove that you're actually, um, you know, you've got a you've got a team and you're going to be there. Um, but it seems like a much more open idea instead of that idea where they just went, oh, we're just going to rank like the top countries based on ranked performance online and then we've just cut it off at 32 countries um yeah it seems to say there's going to be a lot of games being played simultaneously to create sort of a situation where they can just generate a whole bunch of points for teams by sending them off to play each other i don't know if that means it's going to be a swiss style tournament um to then no they've said it's going to be an open single or limb bracket right so it's brutal it's uh (laughs) 
This is like a no no quarter given sort of thing. So you're gonna you could turn up and like literally just go out in your first game after spending however much money. Because that's the thing, right? We were talking about they're taking the money out of this, which means they they are giving support to the top ten teams to go to BlizzCon, right. which means yep. like luckily Australia probably will be included in that. Reading off, you get some yep. points for like sort of how you've done the last couple of years. Australia yeah. should be. I saw someone put up uh, on Reddit like a preliminary ranking thing, and it looks like Australia might be sitting around like sixth or seventh or something. Yeah, um, cool. So we should be in on that, which is good. We don't have yep. to sort of go on a big crowdfunding effort, but there might be another uh, a lot of other teams that do. It'll be interesting to see how many turn up, right? Because like mm. thirty two teams got in, and and honestly, like I don't think anyone outside of the thirty two teams that were there last time would have had a chance to win. But yeah. would they have? enjoy just like turning up and getting to play at blizzcon like probably and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see you know if the communities turn up and and are able to support them yeah and that's it i feel like you know there's probably some there'll probably be some cool stories almost about you know some like you know countries that their community is tight-knit enough that they're able to generate some crowdfunding amongst themselves to get, you know, their picks of people that they want to rep their country to head over there. And, um, you know, I just feel like there'll be no question that, they'll, you know, that, like, Blizzard's good at kind of shining that spotlight on a cool underdog-type story, I think, in that sort of a scenario. So we might end up just seeing, you know, just some, you know, yeah tiny country from you know god knows where going yeah, yeah we've got our players here and yeah this is how we did it you know like oh, you know, yeah, you know one of them happens to have rich parents <laughs> eric eric the eel oh yeah exactly <laughs> like I'm, I'm feeling like there's going to be an eric the eel style uh story that's going to come out of this yeah and and i i have to say i think i'm with you as well that as much as you know there's not that sort of touring format it's like well if you're not like you know australia was lucky enough that we had a sydney world cup you know Blizzcon yeah which was a stop in that you know two years ago and it was it was spectacular but if you're not like lucky in any given year to get one of those stops then you're still watching it online anyway and the whole process was kind of played over quite a long period of time to get to finally you know who's our list of teams at blizzcon um this sort of feels like okay we concentrate all of the attention right around blizzcon and in that process, if if that is the story that, you know, that they've had to sort of do the maths and go, you know, now we're able to create this specific, well, the whole showdown system and then the gauntlet, um, that's, that's a better support for the whole path to pro idea that they want to be supporting, um, you know, through that contenders and, you know, moving up, you know, from, you know, open to contenders to, to Overwatch League. And I think giving a better chance for those people who are playing at contenders to feel like, they are genuinely, you know, that sort of next, just, you know, one step away from from being noticed yeah, yeah. and getting that phone call. Um, that's a really cool thing for them to create. And even for the people who aspire to play at that level one day, to see contenders getting more of that attention will then make them, mm. you know, perhaps pay more attention locally to their contender scene and what's been going on. And it's not getting overshadowed either, right? Yeah. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't gone through and done the sort of the the timeline here for like when contender season two finishes and when you know selection and and practice is probably going to start for the overwatch world cup but i think looking what's it say november two is where the 
the playoff bracket's going to be roughly um, for the World Cup. So that sounds pretty late. I think contenders might be finished by then. And if that's the case, um, that's great because I don't want this to take any attention away from contenders. And I feel like last year it might have done that a bit. Like, a, you know, teams were starting to have to practice, I believe, uh, while contenders were still going. And it was like, you know, you've got people... Because uh, because at that point, the World Cup was probably going to put you on a, a much bigger stage than the contenders was yeah. um, without the showdowns. It was like, well, people from differing teams within contenders are playing with each other and like sharing strategies and stuff because they're like, well, I'd rather, you know, someone see me on the World Cup stage than is probably going to be watching the contenders Australia final, which gets watched by, you know, a couple of thousand or something like that. There's, yeah. there's you know, 200,000 people watching the Overwatch League. World Cup, Overwatch World Cup. Hmm. And yeah, I feel like the, you know, this um, showdown type discussion that feeds in right around the time when uh, we'll be in the sort of end of stage two all-star kind of break um, for uh, the mid-season of Overwatch League. And so again, it kind of means that it's not going to conflict with, um, you know, with the regular season of Al, and so you know that will kind of create that chance to spotlight uh, that on the main Overwatch Twitch channels, things like that. So it feels like um, you know that that the structure of how the seasons work this year does feel like it's kind of setting up a good a good chance to make sure that things get the attention that you know that hopefully they they deserve and people people tune in you know that's the other thing is hopefully it isn't just a case of, oh well like overwatch league isn't on right now it's like well you know showdown's a cool thing that's showing off that next tier and yeah i'm excited to to see how well blizzard promotes that sort of phase uh of you know what's happening during the year and that hopefully the you know twitch viewers still show up to see that next tier play yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of tools that they could, like that they we've seen them use for Overwatch League, like all the in-game client, um, the Battle.net launcher, sort of um, those you know spaces that they've, they've got yeah. to advertise to the much larger just base Overwatch playing audience, and they've they pulled a lot of those triggers for Overwatch League, and they have done comparatively quite a few, uh, quite few for Overwatch contenders. So at least if they maybe go a little bit further with. Um, with the showdowns in, in sort of what they're willing to promote to their audience because it seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? It's like, I guess the thinking is, oh, we don't want to like sort of saturate people too much, but it, it really does feel like they um, they could be a bit more aggressive in sort of trying to get contenders working. Yeah. Look, hey, if they throw in some Twitch drops, you know people will show up. Oh, yeah. Wow, that would be... <laughs> that'd do it that'd really oh man that'd pump the numbers up yeah <laughs> um look uh genome really good to catch up again um please tell people where they can find you and all the cool things you're doing on the internet uh yep just uh give me a follow at genome gg on twitter um i think in the next week in the lead up to i am sydney um in uh, collaboration with snowball which is a, a local news branch which does some some really good stuff um we'll be putting out some top fives where uh we we talk about the top five plays throughout the weeks uh, of contenders so have a look out for them i think there'll be um a couple coming out soon um and awesome yeah i love the snowball guys so yeah oh, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a link in there so that people know where to find it awesome yeah thanks for having me seamus
Thanks again to Genome for stopping by to talk Overwatch. Hope you've enjoyed the show. If you are enjoying The Scrapyard, please stop by and leave a review or send me some feedback via Twitter. That's the easiest place to find me. I'm at Seamus. You can also send an email to scrapyard at biteside.com or, of course, find all this and other shows at biteside.com. We will see you next time.